Welcome to the Sacred Lab Podcast, where we meet our local artists and thinkers. This is episode two, where I sit down with Cameron Simmons, a local Australian poet and writer, and we have a great conversation. I didn't realise that Anchor has a limit of an hour for a recording. Um, I will definitely sit down with Cameron again. Um, so without further ado, Cameron Simmons. Hope you enjoy it. Beautiful. Okay, I'm here with Cameron Simmons. Yeah. Simmons? Simmons, that's right. Yeah, rhymes with lemons. Awesome, I like that. That's um. easy to remember. <laughs> um, uh, local poet. Mm-hmm. You've lived around the area for about 10 years now? No, no, no. lived here, uh, oh, five years, I think it five is. Five years, okay. So, I've been in Melbourne for 10, and up in the hills for five. Okay. So, and I love it up in the hills. Mm. It's really good. Yeah. Mm. Like, with your, uh, hail ice collection, you <laughs> definitely seem like you've been around here a long time. <laughs> well, I just know, but it's like, you know, like... I, you know, as soon as we moved up here, uh, I moved up here with my ex, ex-wife and, but I was just like, oh, this is my place, you know, I love this. So, uh, like it feels like a town attached to the city, so it has a communal sense. Um, you know, I love the fact that I can work on my laptop at home or sitting in a cafe and then I just go for a walk in the forest. Um... And then when I need my city hit, you know, when I need some poetry, when I need some culture, um, you know, it's 45 minutes into the city and then I'm like, just, you know, you know. And also, like, because I used to, when I first moved in, I was in a Fitz, Fitzroy in Northcote. Yeah. And I liked it, but like, you know, I did, you know, having trees is so beautiful, big trees up here. And so now when I go down there, I just like, I feel like I have a little holiday. It's like, woohoo! Yeah, hanging yeah. around Northcote for like half a day, and it just feels really good. I just love it. Rather than if you live there, sometimes you you know you can get annoyed by the place, you know. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, so yeah, so the hills has just been the right fit. Like close to trees, walking in a forest. I think that's been a healthy. I don't know. Keeps me healthier. Something mm. like that. Cool. Mm. Out of the various places that you've lived, which mm. um, which has seemed the most uh, receptive of poetry. Ooh. Okay, so well, I, let me... I, I lived in Sydney for the first 20 years of my life. Then I had 10 years in Sydney. Oh, what did, did I say? Tassie. Sorry. Tassie first. That's all right. That's <laughs> I, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I've had a little bit of whiskey. <laughs> but I didn't catch myself. So 20 years in Tassie, 10 years in Sydney, and now I've had about 10 years here. Although I am 43, so something doesn't add up. <laughs> but, you know, it's sort of that. You know, that's approximate. Um, receptive. I mean, I definitely would say Melbourne is is an arts hub. Um, you know, like, there was a lot of stuff happening in Sydney, and I was in the poetry scene up in Sydney and stuff, but it just felt more disparate or disconnected, not as cohesive, not as uh, tribal but tribal in a good way, you know, like as in people coming together, supporting each other. Um, It felt a bit more competitional. Um, uh, So, yeah, so then when I moved to Melbourne, there was just more stuff happening, you know, there was more gigs happening 
And there's something about Melbourne values its art more. Like it seems, sees art as part of its identity, whereas Sydney doesn't quite see arts as an identity in the same way. Interesting. And Tassie, well, when I was there, it certainly didn't see arts as any part of its identity. Interestingly, probably in the last five years, with uh, Mona in Hobart and Mofo, Dark Mofo, and like it's funny, like Tassie's changing, so it is actually starting to see art as part of its identity. But before that, it really didn't see. It. So, yeah, yeah. so Melbourne, I've always said that no, Melbourne's been a, a good place because there's a lot happening. If you're really keen, like you could probably go to. You could nearly go to poetry every night somewhere, and you could, yeah. if you're not poetry, you'd go to some weird gig <laughs> somewhere in the city. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, the only problem is that Melbourne is a really big city. Like, so, you know, I had friends that, you know, they live on the other side of Melbourne, but they might, they might as well live in Sydney or they might as well live in New York because it's like when they're two hours away, like that sometimes it just never happens, you know, you just never mm. catch them up. So, so it's, yeah, so the good thing of a city, you know, like the energy and the vibrancy that can happen, but yet sometimes it's so big, you know, actually, yeah, even if you've got friends in the same city, it doesn't work, you mm. know, anyway. Yeah, I have yeah. I've friends just in, like, essentially just in the CBD. Yeah, right. And, like, that's only an hour away. And yeah, I'm yeah. Just... Never, never do <laughs> Well, it just it. takes real commitment to make yeah, that happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes, I know, for some friends are worth it, like, and some friends, oh, that sounds a bit, you know, but you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, there's some friends I'll just like, oh, I want to make this happen, and I just, I either really love what they bring out of me, or, you know, I, I just care about them and I want to make it happen, um, but sometimes your life just isn't you know, you don't have that amount of time or space depending on what work you've got or whatever's happening. So, anyway, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but that's the the joy and challenge of big cities, big city living. And even though, like, I feel like I live in the hills, I still feel like I live in Melbourne, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Sort of, definitely. it's funny. I feel like I live definitely in the hills community, but I'm still part of Melbourne, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it mm. seems like... Um, at least when I've done a small amount of travelling, I would say that I'm from Melbourne. Yeah, right. Even though I'm an hour out. Yeah, that's you know? right. But you're, you're a little Monbulk kid. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like a country bumpkin. Most people <laughs> haven't even heard of Monbulk. Oh, but no, I, I knew Monbulk because of cheese. Like... And jam? And jam. Oh, jam. Am yeah. I thinking of jam? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of bigger cheese. Yeah. Yeah. One bowl jam. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I know it from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure that yeah. for quite a long time, Mumbok hadn't been making that jam. Like, yeah, really? That name was like, on it. Like, it I'm pretty just... sure the company sold the oh, name to somebody else. But they were probably. in... I think they might have been in um, Sylvan, which is like just, yeah. just next door. Doesn't have the same, same yeah. ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're right. Like, like the... Like what Melbourne is, yeah, kind of extends far beyond mm. the city. It's like, yeah, uh, oh great, it is greater Melbourne, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. But yeah. but it like they're, re- I don't know. Like I don't I don't talk to many people from other major cities, but I, mm. 
it feels like a rather American thing to be connected with the city, you know, like Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne's an art right. city. Melbourne's like a beautiful ba-da-da-da-da. But then elsewhere in Australia, you would have, yeah. I don't know, potentially. Well, but... no, but C- Sydney is parochial in that way. So Sydney ciders are very strongly opinionated and right, stuff okay. like that. So I would say Sydney has the same, but it's, it hasn't got the same identity or... So it's not Sydney arts, it's like Sydney beaches, you know, it's yeah. Sydney opera house, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, Sydney, yeah. you know, look at us, like it's, it's uh, so they, or even like, because I lived in the Sutherland Shire, so that's south, southern Sydney, that has a very strong identity, like we are Sutherland Shire, like yeah. really strong, okay. um, uh, distinct, you know, there's two bridges that cross over to the Sutherland Shire, we're in the Sutherland Shire, you know, it's, and there would be people that hardly ever went to Sydney City, like, yeah, right. like you got everything in the Shire, why would you go anywhere else, like, it's, it's, you know, it was really strong, so anyway, so I know, like, because, you know, Sydney and Melbourne rivalry is a, is a thing, yeah, Hobart doesn't have that, like, mm-hmm. Hobart isn't like, Hobart, Yeah. but there is a bit of Hobart-Lonnie uh, rivalry, like, so the South-North rivalry in Delhi, right, okay. it's like, like, we totally bag Lonnie out, like, Lonnie just feels like this lame little brother, like, <laughs> Lonzer's to, like, it's, you know, they're pathetic little mall, you know, it just feels like, <laughs> so yeah, there is, like, it's funny, even though they're not big cities, but there is still, like, with Hobart, yeah, we're the pretty city, yeah. and yeah, Lonnie's the little, like, yeah, you've got, like, what do you got, you got nothing, you know, yeah. like, you got fog, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, so, anyway, but, um, I but even like living in Tassie, Tassie has a very strong identity. Like being a Tasmanian, you are from Tassie. You know, it's islands. You know, this is our island. You know, and uh, but I experienced Tassie like I love Tassie, but at the same time, like I find it both equally beautiful and boring at the same time. Like it's a sort of like it's just like got this. It's what sort of what home is. You know, it's like equally beautiful and boring. You know, it's a sort of like so. It's funny. I go back to Tassie and I love it. And then some part of it just like, you know, makes my skin crawl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of funny, like, um, but you know, I love going back there. So, and being in Melbourne now, it's, it's much easier to get home and all my family's still there. So I'm always going back and stuff. So, and I'm, I'm doing a, um, looks like it's going to happen. I'm going to do a little residency, um, in Cradle Mountain, do you know the Cradle Mountain? No. Oh, Cradle Mountain's just a really beautiful wilderness area. Yes. And um, they've got a little gallery and residency space, so I'm going to go and do a little residency there. Fuck yeah. Which, it, which is really cool, and it's and it's, but I'm doing it in winter, so well, sort of July, August, and I checked the weather, and it's it was like be a cold. The, it, it was uh, a high of four. And a low of minus five oh, average. Shit. So, but I'm just like for me, like I've never been in that that cold before. Yeah. So for me, anyway, that's a bit exciting. But and also because that's a bit different for me, I'll be a poet there, so I'll be writing. But also I'll be linking out my visual arts, you know, drawing to my poetry, which is that's the new thing for me. I've done poetry for years, but linking my drawing, which is the new thing, and. Yeah, like they've given me a one, they've got like a 12 room gallery space. So I've got one room to do stuff in. So it's sort of like, oh, okay. You know, so for me, that's like really different, you know. So, yeah. 
So it's a really exciting challenge. Like yeah. I genuinely feel slightly inadequate, but at the same <laughs> time that feels like a bit exciting. Like, whoa, okay, well, I got to do something here. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Because I've done like 21 books. So like I know how to do a book. Like, you know, and I've done so many launches. Like I do a book. That's what I do, you know, whereas like, you know, doing an exhibition space, you know, words and images, like, oh, this is totally new for me. So, yeah, right. So that's, it feels nice because it's just like really differently exciting and, and, you know, I don't know where it'll lead or I really don't know what I'm going to create or, and also, you know, it is, it is a beautiful place. So I'm actually just interested to see what emerges out of that space and, um, you know, drawing there and writing there and stuff. Anyway. So what's the mm. time frame on that? Like roughly how, how, so how long? So it looks like it's happening in August. So okay. I'm, I've got like seven days um, and they've got like a little, I don't know what it is, a room or a hut or something that I get to stay in. Um, and then, and I've got, so I can just write and create in that space. Um, and then I've got a gap. They've given me a gallery room to, to work in or display in. So, um, so I think, so I think I'll take a whole lot of stuff that's all like ready to go as well as create there and see what I can create in that yep. space. So that's my vague plan, <laughs> but it really is just coming together like this week, trying to work out the dates and see what's possible and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so in yeah. that, in that mm. environment, like put mm. yourself there mm. now, mm. say you, <clears throat> Um, like how would you approach that would you try to um, yeah I don't know like do a magic ritual to like yeah, okay. build so up what, your what creativity would I do? like yeah. would you try to go all primal and like paint yourself and then like mm. roll around like yeah like how would you approach that would you try to treat it similar to how you would you know like like going to the cafe and writing poetry or yeah, going yeah. and performing it, like or or as it being a a new kind of a thing for you, would you approach it in a new or like in a way of letting it be spontaneous? Yeah. Um well I think I found whenever I've I've you know, I've done a number of more like little trips and holidays where I I have really strong plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I've always found like strong plans never tend to work out very well. So, so I'll have a whole lot of ideas, but it's about, I'll also hold them lightly too, because suddenly I'll get there and I'll go, Oh, wait a sec. None of that even makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like here I am, look at this, whatever, you know? So, so really initially it's like, yeah, I'll have a whole lot of ideas because also I just already having ideas because I'm excited by it. But, but holding those ideas really lightly and just going, okay, here's all my ideas, right? <laughs> and then when I get there, it's sort of like just maybe throwing all that or maybe throwing it in the air or maybe throwing it at the wall <laughs> and then seeing what sticks, you know, just like, ah. And I suppose I'm a real truster or believer that things become evident. So, like, when I get there, it'll become evident what I'll need to do. You know, like, I'll go, oh, you know, it, and, you know, or if I start drawing, even if I don't want to draw no, what I'm drawing, it'll become evident what needs to happen. You know, whether it's not working, or it becomes a thing, 
or oh it gives me an idea for another thing you know it just becomes evident like so so i'm very much like yep have a whole lot of ideas plans but then just like see what fits and then things become evident by doing so you just got to do it so so things like um but like one of the things i do want to do because i have this gallery space i do if i'm doing drawing um i, would, I don't want to closet myself away so i'll draw in the gallery space okay. and so that's for me i mean i feel a bit weird about it because i feel like a at its worst, it feels show-offy, right? And I hate that, like, ooh, look, I'm drawing. Like, <laughs> but yet, at the same time, I've just done it a bit, like, around, you know, around here. And it is actually a really nice in for conversations. So it gives something to talk about for people when they come in, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you know, like, so actually, it's a really nice conversation opener. Um, and so it actually, and also because sometimes both drawing and poetry can be insular arts. So actually just going, yeah, like not being deliberately not too insular with it. Um, cool. So um, leaving the door open. Yeah, that's right. And just seeing, you know, because it's amazing what happens with conversations or what ideas you get or, and even what people notice. Like it's often interesting, oh, people are noticing this thing and they don't ever talk about that thing. You know, so it's like, it's like oh, that's interesting. So this is resonating and not that, you know. So it even can just help you in your discerning what's working, what people are responding to. Because um, I suppose I do want to create art that is resonant and respond, you know, people can respond to. So yeah. I'm interested to see what people will engage with, you know. Um, so, so that's one thing I was thinking I want to do. Um, but also it is just exposing myself to that place. So I'll definitely walk. Um, often with writing, it's more like I'll make little notes, um, and then often those notes will sit and then things like emerge from, from that. So like the depth, sorry, the dots will just kind of get connected. Yeah. Something like that. Again, it's this concept of things become evident, you know, like if you try to like, I'm writing a poem on this mountain right now, sometimes it it actually, you're making it happen, it gets a bit contrived, or even sometimes it's just too obvious um, because you're just hitting it so directly that the actually really interesting art happens when you come from these different angles and when these other things come together. Um, so yeah, so I found that like if I go in with too strong an intent, so this is particularly in writing, actually, often things are way too overplayed and overstated that actually it's much more interesting for the reader and the engager you know when when things aren't as just 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 yeah, headliney you know um, and that's also what poetry can give that's so different to other forms of writing you know it can go it can be a little bit less indirect and but hope like I don't like to create alienating art so I don't want to like for me it's a real balance like I don't want to alienate people I don't want to annoy people because they go what are you talking about like I mean some people will think that sometimes but but I'm really I'm, I want it to be a bit spacious um, to let people bring their own thoughts memories experiences to the words I'm putting forward you know so for me it's important to have them like an invitational space um, 
like the poetry that I tend to not like when I go out to gigs is the stuff that just tells me stuff or stuff that tells me I should do this or I should do that. It's like, you know, it's just like, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want a sermon. And also, I mean, I actually want to create art that genuinely changes and moves people. Mm-hmm. And basically people do not get changed and moved by just being told they're stupid, dumb, wrong, right? Everyone just goes, well, you're a wanker or like, I don't agree with you. You know, it's actually a much more challenging art to genuinely help people see things from a new perspective. And it's a subtle art, and it's an invitational art, and that's what I'm interested in. So it's easy to rant. Like, man, and, it's, and sometimes it's really satisfying to feels, rant. It feels real it good. It feels good. Yeah. But it doesn't actually, like, a rant rarely changes anything. It'll um, often deter people that might otherwise listen. Because, quite potentially, because yeah. Because they're presented with that yeah. either anger or tension or frustration, and they're mm. like, uh, or they just, Or they just go, or they just go, you know, they don't take it personally. They're like, oh, that's just him. That's not me. You know, and they just can easily like wipe it all out. You know, just throw the whole baby in the bathwater out. So, so I'm interested in it. Like, if there's things I would really want people to understand, um, or really want to think differently about, it's actually like, oh, how would I, how to genuinely do that? Is a really, you know, it's it's it's. It's inviting people in. It's getting them to see things that they wouldn't normally see. Getting them to think from characters' perspectives that they wouldn't normally think from. You know, that's actually what changes people. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that's what you know. Like, whereas if you just go straight in, um, often it's too direct. It's too straightforward. But you know, coming from these gentler ways, invitational ways. I don't know. So um, anyway, so so from writing. Yeah, Where my writing strategy would be lots of notes um, and then see what emerges out of those notes, really. And because sometimes they're just like, then you just suddenly get this one image or this one like, oh, yes, I see it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then that'll evolve into like what I would class as a, you know, a refined little poem or something like that. Or, you know, it's funny because I, I think at times I go, okay, I'll try and write a haiku a day or something like that. But whenever I do that, also, it, it doesn't tend to work for me. Like, I can probably technically do it, but then it doesn't, because it's not coming from a, like, a heart space, often it doesn't last, or it's not a powerful piece. So, so that's the, maybe the annoying <laughs> part of the creative process, that, yeah, you, it's more being ready for stuff and being really attentive for stuff rather than making stuff happen. Yeah. So, of course, if you're really focused and you're really ready, things tend to happen and things are coming together. Um, but, um, so for me, going down there will be like, okay, really going, well, let's see, see what happens, you know. So I think because I've got a gallery space, I'll go with a few set pieces, you know, like as in, yeah, I'll do this and this and this. And I, I think I often do this in like, when I'm doing gigs as well. Like I have a couple of set pieces that are really safe. You know, like that's a great starter poem. That's a great end of poem. This one's really good for getting people back on board. But, then, but in between that is where I really play with stuff. You know, it's like I know I've got a safe framework 
to then, okay, then in this bit I'm going to chat about this and see what happens, you know. And then I'm going to try that new piece, which I really don't know is going to work, and I'll put that there. But then I've got that really good piece that I always know works, then I'll come in with that because I know that'll get everyone on board. So, yeah. so will you do performances in this well, space as well? I just, I don't, I don't think so because I don't know. I'm going there more to write and draw. Um, and, you know, I just don't know how many people are coming through. You know, I, um, you know, what sort of people are coming through? What sort of, you know, because I haven't actually been to this gallery in the space and stuff. So, um, I did talk about some. I'm happy to offer little workshops as well, but and so I think the curator said they might do that. Um, so I might run a workshop there, but it's sort of very. I get the gist because it's sort of you know it's actually in the wilderness, so it's either the people staying at the lodge there or people that would really have to travel a proper distance right, okay. <laughs> to come. So I'm not sure whether I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, I'll be interested to. It'd be more like I'll chat to the curator and see what she thinks or yeah, yeah. see what's going to work or something like that. So, um, oh, it sounds great. Yeah, well, it is. Sounds like an awesome. It's awesome exciting for me because it's just, it's, it's new for me. Like, it's words which I'm comfortable with, and but the, you know, this ink drawing, which is the main focus of what I'm doing, is, yeah, it's all new to me, but it's, and I don't feel, I don't feel good at it, but I feel like I've got, good at certain things like <laughs> so it's like so but i'm enjoying the challenge of it you know so yeah there okay. you go that's good um who were 25 minutes already wow yeah. tell me when does stop um, no 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 much. definitely it's great you're giving that good good stuff uh who was the first poet that influenced your writing or yeah. kind of inspired you to? Well, it was this guy named Steve Turner, who was a British poet. Um, the name's familiar. Yeah, he... Um, he... Yeah, so the, the British the British scene... So you probably know about the Beats, right? Yeah. But the British scene the British scene had the Mersey poets. If you've, have you ever come Mersey? across... Yeah. No. Oh, this is great. So the Mersey poets, they were sort of... How do you spell Mersey? Mersey is M-E-R-S-E-Y, I think. I think so. Cool, cool. So that's sort of like the British version of the Beats, right? Cool. So Roger McGuff is one of them, Michael Rosen, and and then this guy, Steve... Um, Steve Turner came sort of at the at the end of the Mersey scene in the UK. So, like in primary school, Roger McGuff and Michael Rosen, which were actually they actually produced a really great little kids poetry book, but they did lots of you know adult stuff. Like so, that was they were the first poets that I sort of remember the names of, and I actually still really like them. They're both really good poets, and they're sort of very esteemed, pretty British poets these days. Um, um, but then, yeah, Steve Turner was the first guy that, like, I remember buying the book and just, like, reading, you know, every page and just going, whoa, like, whoa, man, like, whoa, you know, like, it was the first poetry book that was just massive, you know, like, because um, he has a really, um, 
And he was so popular too because his poetry was really clear, like really clear, talking about London and people. Um, so it wasn't overly wordy, it wasn't overly complicated, but he often hit really big ideas, but, but with really clear language and a beautiful image or something like that. So, so yeah, so yeah, he was the first poet that I was like, yeah, you know, oh, okay, I think I like, I like this stuff. So, and you know, I, I wrote to him and he wrote me a letter. So that's, I've still got oh. that letter. It was a really, <laughs> a tr a tr it's a, and he wrote a real, cause I sent like the first 20 pages of my first poetry book that hadn't quite been published at that time and and um and it, I mean uh, so here's the interesting thing so he sent me back a really beautiful letter you know like his two-page letter you know this is back was it hand handwritten typed I can't even remember but you know two-page letter yeah. um it was so uh beautiful you know my little poetry hero getting him letter back from you know and from the England too like it just felt like such a long way away and it was yeah. a letter not like this is like in the early 90s sort of yeah. before emails and stuff yeah, yeah. um uh but interestingly so it was so nice to get this letter from him but at the same time it was um that's weird to even remember this it was super depressing like because I said I'd sent him like 20 pages of, you know, well, you know like 20 poems yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of my this book. And um, it was the first time I'd had really proper critique of my work. Like, before that, I hadn't, you know, I just had my parents going, that's good, Cameron. And friends being like, Friends like going, that. hey, that's funny, I like that. You yeah, know, like, yeah. I'd because I, I didn't have any poet, poet friends. Yeah, I didn't have any poets that I really knew. And, and I really wasn't open to critique at that stage, you know, I was just sort of starting off. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I needed it, you know. And I, you're just in that little bubble of like, yeah, I'm, you know, I can do this and I love this. This is good, you know. So, but he gave me just a really beautiful, gentle critique. Like, and that's what I asked, you know, what do you think of this? You know, you know. Um, and but the, what was super depressing was like, like I totally saw and understood everything he was saying. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I'm so, how do I ever, like, but I just knew I had so much to learn. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I just thought, how can I ever get better? And, you know, how can I write better? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it was, it was the first time, like, I, like, he really saw what I was doing and he was like, I see what you're doing. And he, and he totally pinned it and, you know, said, this is where you need to go. And I was like, Man, like it was just so. It was so funny being seen uh, and totally pinned, but it was, um, yeah. Anyway, it was depressing. It was because I because it was like, how on earth do I, yeah, write that good stuff? Like it felt so beyond me. And know? had you I, kind of convinced yourself that you were already, well, kind of, I don't know. Oh, oh, go on. What are you gonna say? Well, like, good or something? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if I, I thought I knew I. No, I didn't know if I sort of didn't know if I was good. Yeah, no, I'm okay. I didn't know if I was good. I just know I, I just knew I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Loved it, and my friends seemed to love some of my stuff. Like, you know, so so like that's all I knew. You know, like I knew that I didn't fit into like 
some of those big grand poets because I like I read I would read these classics and I was like I, I don't know I, you know I knew I wasn't a classic loving poet sort of stuff you know um, so I knew that um, and because one of the key things was that he pinpointed was that uh, my early poetry and this is all my early poetry career was very gimmick oriented so which is was so true like I would choose one thing and I would hit it really hard, so I'd alliterate an entire story, you know, right. like, and everything was fully alliterated. So I was like, you know, one wedding, one to which a wonder worker went, was wondrously wonderful, with wistful waltzes, warbling whistlers, and witty wise ones whispering wisely, when, without warning, the wedding's wine went out, right? So I just threw these enormous pieces that were like, but that what they were is verbal spectacle, like, which has its place. Like, it can be really entertaining, um... But, so what I had to learn was restraint, subtlety, and I actually had to learn heart, like, um, because I came at poetry from wordplay, so I loved words and the sound of words and what, you know, whereas, so what I, you know, only when my first wife left me, you know, that is when the poetry got real. Like, you know, like before that, my poetry was... Uh, like I want to say Dr. Zussi, but that's that's overplaying it. But before my first wife left, you know, my poetry was for play and the word play. Yeah. But then after it was my poetry was for like heart and heart expression. And um, how old were you when that happened? Well, yeah. Uh, see, I was in my late twenties, so like twenty nine. Right. So. So, yeah, like, in some ways, I'm not the typical poet in some ways. Like, I wasn't the crazy, angsty, existential teenager. Mm. Like, you know, like, I was a crazy, existential, angsty (laughs) (laughs) 29-year-old. I came to it later. Um, So, and a little, like, so my first wife is Sarah Blasco. Do you know, so the singer? Like, do you know who Sarah Blasco is? Sarah Blasco, yeah. So yeah. that's my first wife. Um, right. So, you know, I'd really supported her and encouraged her to get to, you know, she just, she was just getting famous. Um, you know, we were married for like five years and we've been together for seven years and she just uh, didn't love me and wanted to leave. And, you know, she saw this whole new world ahead of her and I was, what was behind her and stuff like that. But, you know, man, man I was so crazy like you know and it still happens like I just walk into cafes and there's my you know first ex-wife just singing to me you know about me you know from you know like you know know, it's such such a weird process and just like because she was just getting famous when that that year she left me and um you know they'll just be like I'd drive home with these billboards looking at me. <laughs> like, it was, like, so crazy. <laughs> like, I was so mental that, that year. Um, so, um, yeah, that was, anyway, that's a, that's a it's funny, it's, 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 it's like, a, but at the same time, that's a lifetime ago as well. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, um, but you found that yeah. after that. Mm. Well, that's when, your... yeah, that's, that's when my poetry changed, because suddenly poetry became... Not just 
for play and for fun, it became it actually became part of my processing and part of my. So it became supportive and like yeah, like for my like beneficial therapy. for my mental health. Yeah, therapy, and there was something really powerful about sharing that narrative as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, and you know, in saying this about Sarah too, like, like. Um, you know, like Sarah wasn't terrible or anything like that. It was, you know, she just didn't love me and <laughs> that. But you know, that's absolutely heartbreaking enough. You know, like you know, yeah, I was absolutely. pretty, pretty devastated and stuff. Um, so you know, so it wasn't. But you know, so that took a while to recover and stuff. And, but yeah, now I've actually just had my second divorce, which makes me feel very, oh, you know crazy in different ways so um so yeah you know it just feels like life is so uh surprising or something like that it's like wow there you go done that a couple of times you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and i'm 43 and i don't know it just feels so surprising you know where life comes to or something like that yeah. but anyway but also life is long too you know like i said yeah. I, had my, I had my 20s with sarah and then I had my 30s with Sonia, and now I'm in my 40s, and, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll just have your 40s with Cam. Yeah, well, at the moment, that's why it's working, and, <laughs> and there is something, uh, well, also, because I've got my two kitties, and that's right, you know, they're, uh, that's right, yeah, I don't know, like, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Ask me another question. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you you called yourself an entrepreneur yesterday. <laughs> Did I say? I just think I think that's a funny word. So yeah, like definitely, like, definitely. I very much enjoyed it. So that's why I brought it up. Entrepreneur. Can you entrepreneurship? Can you that? I like to try. Yeah, entrepreneurship. It's the most clunky word <laughs> in the world. Entrepreneurship. <laughs> Well, I actually just do think, unfortunately, I think that's even you know the top top level writers are required to be entrepreneurs to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, like publishers want you know, like you know, what's what's your Twitter status? You know, like as in you know how many followers? You know, like how active are you online? You know, that's highly vital for them, you know, to see how engaged you are. So, but even just at the lower level, yeah, it's just like you, you're the one that has to sell your stuff, you know, and it's just like, it's excruciating because especially writers tend to be more introverted rather than extroverted. So it's more excruciating than ever that you have to be an entrepreneur (laughs) to just do the thing that you love, you know. So it is, I mean, there's no point fighting it too much or decrying it too much, but it is like I do get frustrated with it because it's like I, I I know I can technically do it sometimes, be a bit entrepreneurial or just sell myself, you know. But it just takes so much out of me, like, and it just is so exhausting, and and uh, sometimes I just 
literally can't do it. Like, I, I was just like, I can't send that email. I can't do it. Like, you know, like, or I don't know, just that selling yourself. And because the weird thing is that, like, I am my product. It's not yeah. as though it's like, it's not even my business. Like, I'm Cameron Simmons. I am the product. So it's sort of, you know, it gets weird, you know. Like, so it is, I, I just think it's an unfortunate truth that, authors these days and it can be a whole variety of authors because i know um i know novelists you know beginner novelists particularly as well as you know poets that i mostly know yeah you you have to be out the one out there making the business of you work and um so yeah but yeah uh but an entrepreneur i just think it's a ridiculously (laughs) clunky word but it sort of it does capture a truth um I wish it didn't, but um, but it's sort of the way it is. Do you do you think that that could potentially get in the way of the kinds of things that you might be able to create? Yeah. Well. Well, you see, I think I feel like I'm so bad at it anyway. Like I hardly give it any time. Like. <laughs> um, but I do think it is, uh, yeah, so I think, and I mentioned this the other day to you, like, like if you think about it, often, I think they, when, with a small business, the sort of the rule of thirds, you know, a third of the work is just you doing your job, whatever that is, so me being a poet. Then a third is the administration around that, so, and then a third should be the promo and all that entrepreneurial activity. Yeah. The problem is that I think I work ninety percent. I just create stuff. Ten <laughs> percent, I sort of manage myself and oh, uh, yeah, okay. Ninety eighty percent create stuff. Ten percent manage, and then ten percent, you know, try right. and promote because yeah. that's where my energies lie. So I'm always trying to work out how I try and manage that myself, like how I try and put more time into it, or the dream of getting a manager, or but. And I've had some people that um, uh, have been really supportive in that way. So not managers in a technical sense, but, you know, uh, I sort of call them champions. I've had a couple of little champions. So, so people that just like suddenly like have really go, oh, Cameron, I really like what you're doing. And they've really opened up a few doors for me. You know, they give me opportunities or pitch me in different places. And so I feel really blessed to have, a f- I've had a few people that have just really, just come along and they go, oh yeah, I like I like what you're doing and stuff. So, not, yeah. So I'm thankful for those people. Um, um, and I I suppose I wish I had more of that. But <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like that's the challenge of life, really. Actually, going well, you actually do have to have all these skills, you know, like. I mean, we are in community, so there are people that will be able to help you with lots of different mm-hmm. things. But mm-hmm. even, and also I would say this, um, even for other artists where there are actual industries, you know, you actually do want to know how these things work. Like if you're a muso and you've got a guy doing all the promo, you want to know what's happening. Like if you don't know anything and you don't know what's happening, like who knows where you'll go. So you actually do want to know what's happening across the board of, you know, how you're getting out there so so yeah so it's good to know how things work so then you're empowered and you actually know what's happening so but like it's it's certainly a nut that i haven't 
cracked as in to get that balance right or you know I have times where I'm like I feel like I'm on top of stuff you know I'm on top of my admin or I'm on top of like yeah I pitched a whole lot of stuff and and there's times like no it doesn't happen (laughs) so um mm. yeah I was talking to um uh I made the other day uh, mm. Kelly in the Braves. I'm not sure if you. No, know I don't them. know. No, they're a local band. Yeah, um, kind of heavy. Yeah, that's probably the most accurate any type of like genre definition. Okay, for them right. Would okay. be like yeah, heavy. <laughs> yeah, right. But not like you know like the swamp drone kind of like deafening heavy like good quality blues rock and roll. Yeah, right. Um. Cool. And I was uh, I asked him about using the internet for developing mm. art or like mm. you know does he think that it's a good good thing and he's yeah, like yeah. no I think it's a fucking horrible thing yeah right because it 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 has as much as it's made things uh, simpler mm. easier and cheaper mm. at least in terms of like creating and distributing yeah. art. Yeah. Um, it's also added on this mm. uh, essentially potentially infinite amount of new things that you have to know in order to be able to yeah. live within yeah. the world and be a creative person that can live off their work. You know, you have yeah. to learn all of this new shit. Yeah. It's like, I hope they burn down the fucking servers so that we can just go back to, you know, like making art and like you know just making music and stuff and yeah i think i think he has a point i think he has a point to some extent but i think also um there's a lot of noise online and so in order to get involved with some of the areas that are probably necessary to grow your creative output Mm. it'll It'll at first seem like a little bit of a sellout. Like, Mm. I don't really want to compromise that way. Yeah. But then it'll also seem like you're um, catering to the masses. Like, Mm. you're just Mm. um, trying to appease people. Yeah, yeah. But it's... uh, I think in the same way that, like... um, In order to be... in order to be a successful athlete, in order mm. to be the fastest runner, you're going to have to stretch, you're going to mm. have to go see the physio, you're going to have to do yeah. a bunch of these various things that you right. don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. And you're going to have to know a little bit about them so they actually work. Yeah, that's right. And to be a mm. creative person, you're going to have to maybe sometimes make ads for people or maybe yeah. sometimes, yeah. you know... Like, just make bullshit. Like, mm. sometimes you're going to have to make some bullshit, see if it sells, yeah. and just just try it out, you know? But yeah. I think there's a, there's a, there's a certain amount of... Um, uh, there's a certain amount of ego involved that gets in the way of people actually being able to survive as artists. Yeah, right. And I think that if we're more... What do you mean ego as in they won't do like a day job or something like that? Or well, they won't yeah, feel or, like they want to sell out towards a certain Yeah, area. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they right. won't, uh, um, yeah. you know, uh, I, 
I heard about this local comedian, Melbourne mm. comedian, yeah. and yeah. every day for a month mm-hmm. he went to different comedy joints mm-hmm. and played a gig every day. Oh wow! Um, his name's Mo Man. Right. Um, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, "That's that's a different kind of mentality." Yeah. You know? right. Like, like right. that's that's not someone. Hey, I'm a comedian. That's yeah. that's him. Like everybody else has to say it. Mm. Like everybody else has to say Mo Man is a comedian. Yeah. Right. Rather than mm. it's okay. I know within myself that mm. I am this thing. Mm. It's 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 a dangerous. Like it's a it's it's a minefield because you're dependent mm. on approval from other people. But it's also yeah. recognition. Yeah. And if you're making art, mm. unless you're a fucking asshole, you want other people to enjoy it. Yeah. So you yeah. don't want to, you know, like you don't want to be too mm. exceptional, because otherwise yeah. no one's near you and, they, right, and yeah. they don't they don't get it. Mm. So you so you need to have some sort of recognition yeah. from from yeah. the audience yeah, to yeah. say, hey, you're doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. And that often takes doing things that you didn't know you had to do yeah. in order to make it there. Yeah, it's true. Like I I'd, <clears throat> mm. I'd I'd never really like i i thought that when i got to 20 when i turned 20 yeah. i'd have a book ready right and i'd sell the book it was going to um part of the money earned was going to be donated yeah um it was going to be a fantasy novel and someone was going to pick it up and i was going to become successful and then Wow. You know, there you go. Like, that's just how being an author is. I had no fucking idea. I hadn't looked into anything. <laughs> and now that I'm actually getting so involved... So how old are you now? Uh, 26. 26. 26. So did you have a book ready at 20? No, I didn't. Right. I, it wasn't until I was 20... 24, 25. 24. Yeah. 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 Um, And that was my first poetry collection. Yeah, right. And right. now I've kind of got... Yeah. I've got three collections that are essentially ready to be mopped mm. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a short book, the one I was talking about, like a self-help mm. guide. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've got the first draft of a fantasy story. So, like, yeah, in the last right. three years, I've been, like, yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. smashing it out. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I... I just, I, I just had no idea about, about the environment. And yeah. you can... yeah. Like, you can build up a certain amount of, like, I'm a writer, and if you tell it to mm. the wrong people, mm. they'll give you gratification. Right. Just for saying that you're a writer. Well, I wouldn't say you can tell it to the wrong people. It's like, you know, like, uh, you were a writer. You are a writer. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think I was saying this to you the other day, like, actually, there's a space for the delusional bubble. Like, when you're young and when you're emerging... Mm. Actually, if you if you get exposed to the harsh reality <laughs> of industry and life, actually, if it happens too early, it actually quelches or your creative creativity too much. So mm. you need some of that delusional self belief, yeah, to yeah. get you over the line sometimes. Because yeah. so Absolutely. so I don't you don't I'm just saying don't be too harsh on your, yeah. your twenty year old self <laughs> or whatever you know because like, you do have to have those crazy dreams because yeah. they actually do weirdly lead you to places that maybe you don't expect but yeah. they do lead to somewhere that yeah. lead to something and uh, you know like so you know so you, yeah anyway 
That's my reflection yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're actually. I didn't realize that there's a limit on how long you. Oh, and we're up to this. Heads so, up. So we've got ten more minutes. So I'll just ask you a couple more. Oh, questions. 60 minutes. Yes. Okay. Quick. Quick. Um, okay. What role can poetry play other than entertainment? Oh well. Um, look. Uh, Look, I think I look. I think um, one of the reasons, one of the things that poetry can do, and one of the reasons why I like to do it, is unothering. So that actually, that what it can do is, it can, it can, unother people. Um, it so, uh, and that can happen in a few different ways. It, it can just by. By the type of poem, it can show how connected we are and how common our experiences are. Or, you know, by going into the mind of someone different, you know, suddenly give you a perspective on, back on yourself as well. Um, so, so for me, um, that's been an important function of my poetry is unothering. Um, and that, yeah, as I said, it can happen in lots of different ways. Um, there's also no doubt that poetry is really good at times of when there isn't a lot of feelings involved. So in a really basic, crass way, people know this. Like I've been to quite a few funerals in my life. At every funeral, poetry is shared. Either poems people have written wow. or poems, famous poems people have shared. <clears throat> and I would say at every wedding I've been to, poems are shared. And when people fall in love, they either want to write poems or they want to share poems. So when there's these times of big emotions, excess emotions, like it's we need the brevity and the focus and the concentration of good language. Like suddenly it, you have this massive mess of feelings. And when the right words come along, like the right love poem, the right grief poem, it's just an incredible relief to 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 have those words. So, so poetry, yeah, like I would say, it's yeah, it's like a, an incredible um, focus of big emotion, um, both the good and the bad stuff. Um, uh, I suppose I would say something like poetry at its best too. It invites us into. Oh, this sounds a bit wanky. Oh, let me think. Uh, like I do see poetry as a meditative art, and a reflective art. Now it isn't always that because you know there can be big ranty slam poems and stuff like that. But for me, what's unique about poetry that makes it different than other types of writing is that is this um, that it invokes some of the big mystery of being a human, <laughs> how you be a human, um, what it means to live in this world, what it means to have a sense of invisible worlds beyond us. In invisible worlds can be so many things, like they can be political structures, they can be spiritual structures, they, religious structures, these invisible worlds that we inhabit. And poetry can speak into these invisible worlds that we live in, as well as these physical fleshy bodies that we have. 
Um, that's at its best. Like, you know, it doesn't always do that, but I think it can. It can be really unique when it speaks into those places that other, other pros cannot speak into. So, um, um, all right, no, I'll stop you there on that one because yeah. mm. that was a fucking brilliant answer. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, I try to ask this question of everyone because I mm. feel like it's probably one of the more important questions. Yep. Uh, what does community mean to you? <sighs> yeah, like I, um, community is really important. Like it's an ideal. <laughs> I wish it was often more physical and real. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people feel that than, than I hope it to be. I've been part of lots of sometimes really deliberate communities. Um, and But there is interesting things. There, there is beautiful things about actually being in a genuine community. But also it's also really challenging, like living really closely or in a high accountability with people. It's really challenging. So, So I'm so aware of like like the beautiful ideal and actually the difficult reality of community. Um, I'm very conscious of cultivating, I suppose, a community and a sense of community. So I'm part of a number of groups up in the hills to be a part of this community. Um, and I'm also conscious of nearly like, well, I sort of like where well, you also create your own community. So I suppose I've been very deliberate about Know, like becoming friends with certain people or creating my own little tribe and and stuff like that and um because you know we just all you know one of the most deep human needs is a sense of belonging you know and in a good community you get that sense of belonging you know you, you don't always feel totally understood but if you feel loved and if you feel seen um that is just insanely powerful um uh, but sometimes, you know, that requires real commitment and sacrifice of your time or um, uh, to, to do that, you know. Like, so it's, it's a real tension within humans, I think, that we, there's part of us that does love individual, our individual selves, which is really valid and stuff. But it can get really overplayed. Our culture really, I think, overplays that. Yeah. Um, and underplays the communality um, and the strengths of communality and stuff. And so it's actually, you know, so you have to work against the grain to have a genuine sense of community. And basically some people, you, when you're aware of that and you're, when you're open to that, you, you become so aware of who's open to that and who's not. You know, you're aware of the people that are, still have fortress mentalities and are highly individualized, you know, and then you, you're aware of the people that are like, oh, yeah, come into my life, you know, come for dinner, let's hang out, let's do this thing together, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah, beautiful, perfect. Cool. Let's stop it there. 58. Thank you, Cameron, so much for cool. letting me conduct this interview with you. <laughs> Thank you for now. inviting me into your home. Oh, it's lovely to have you here, man. Appreciate it. It's good. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Cool.